Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Last First Date Radio, featuring interviews with experts in dating, relating, and mating in midlife. And now, here's your host, Sandy Weiner. This is episode number 348, How Dating Became a Lopsided Numbers Game. Hi, I'm Sandy Weiner, and welcome to Last First Date Radio, the place to be for creating healthy, lasting relationships in midlife. And today, I'm going to be speaking with author John Berger about his book, Dateonomics. And we're going to be talking about why dating is so hard for women today. Um, as a as a life coach and a dating coach, um, this is this is certainly a topic that comes up a lot, and I'm really excited to talk about this. And um, just really for me, the the um, whether or not it's a numbers game or it's it is a numbers game, the most important thing that I feel when I coach a woman is that um, I help her to believe in herself and to communicate effectively and to set clear boundaries and to really take her power back because very often women in particular do give up their power in relationships. And so I call that being a woman of value. And every week I bring you a tip on how to be a woman of value. And this week's tip is embrace your beauty. Um, We all have different types of beauty, and I really believe that we have to own the kind of beauty that we have, and it, it starts within. As a woman of value, you, when you love yourself and you're confident, you radiate out to everybody, and so it's not about being the perfect size six or whatever is considered standard beauty today, being blonde, being whatever. It, it really is about believing in yourself, having confidence, and rating, aiding that out into the world. And if you want to get more support on being a woman of value out in the dating world over 40, I invite you to join my Facebook group, which is called Your Last First Date. So go over to Your Last First Date, and this is a warm, supportive community of women who, who really are kind and positive and forward-thinking, not victims not, you know, just saying a whole bunch of bad things about men. This is a place to come for real support, and um, we are very strict about how people behave in this group. So if you would like a group like that, come on over to your last first date. And now for my guest, John Berger. He is the author of Datanomics, How Dating Became a Lopsided Numbers Game. He's a former senior writer at both Fortune and Money, John has also written for Barron's, Bloomberg, Business Week, New York Magazine, Time, and The Washington Post. He was named one of the power players in technology business media by Always On Network. He's a familiar face and voice on TV and radio. He's been on ABC's Good Morning America, BBC World Service, CNBC, CNN, lots of C's, MSNBC, <laughs> National Public Radio, and Fox News. He graduated from Brown University, and he lives in Larchmont, New York, which is very close to where I live. So, John, welcome to the show. Sandy, thanks for having me on. My pleasure. So I have a question that might be on the minds of other people, which is that you're a married man with children. Why did you write a book on dating? (laughs) Yeah, this is typically the first question I get. (laughs) Usually it's something along the lines of how did a a middle-aged 
business writer who normally wrote about super boring stuff like oil and gas? Like, how do I ever end up writing a dating <laughs> book? Um, and, you know, the answer has a lot to do with my workplaces. Um, you know, at Fortune, the editorial staff was probably more women than men. And I couldn't help but notice that most of the men were either married like myself or at least involved in, in longer-term relationships. Whereas the women, who I think I can objectively say had more going for them than us guys did dating-wise, um, you know, they certainly were better dressed and better looking and probably better company at, at cocktail parties. Um, the, the women all seemed to be single, and they weren't just single. They, they were very unhappily single, and the ones I was friends with had these dating stories and dating histories that just seemed really bad, and I couldn't figure out why it was the dating was just so much harder for women than for men. Mm. And that, and that kind of led to me figuring, you know, me exploring it in book form. Cool. Um, so seeing, seeing these story, hearing these stories firsthand by the colleagues that you worked with. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I think what really struck me is I, there were a bunch of women I knew who literally had everything going for them, and they claimed never to get asked out on dates at all. And I, at first I thought this had something to do with New York. I mean, I, 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 was, I was working in New York at the time. A lot of my friends lived in Manhattan. And, you know, I thought maybe there were just disproportionate numbers of women who are moving to New York for jobs in media or advertising and kind of other uh, other fields that may attract more women. Um, and I, I initially thought this was going to be like a, a big city phenomenon, that there was something about New York and L.A. and Toronto that, that seemed to attract all these women. But when I dug into the census numbers, what I discovered is that this is really an everywhere phenomenon. And if you look at census data for college graduates, um, there have been, you know, uh, like over the past 20 years or so, there have been essentially four women graduating from college for every three men. Um, so among, you know, millennials 30 and under, we now have about, um, you know, we now have 33%, you know, more women than men in the dating market. And what my book shows is this doesn't just make it statistically more challenging for women to find a match, but it changes behavior too. Hmm. So changing behavior how? So the, the, there's, you know, what I discovered is that there's been a ton of social science um, research done by, you know, psychologists, sociologists, and the like, looking at how sex ratios affect mating and dating-related behavior. And what they find is that when men are the ones in oversupply, um, the, the dating culture tends to be more traditional and more monogamous. But when women are in, are in oversupply, uh, the culture tends to be looser, more sexualized, less monogamous. Um, divorce rates are higher, marriage rates are lower. Um, and for, you know, for young college grads, or at least 40 and under college grads, um, 
that's kind of the environment that we're in today. Now, the, the, the big caveat here, the, the big thing I need to point out, is obviously the college thing wouldn't matter so much if we were more open-minded about whom we date and eventually marry. But at the same time that women have been kind of increasingly outshining men when it comes to academics, there's been kind of a parallel increase in what sociologists call assortative mating, which is really just a fancy way of saying that college grads increasingly only want to date and marry other college grads. Hmm. Yeah, and and I find this to be a big issue in midlife dating as well, where people tend to look only at how much college somebody has had. And what I see over and over again, and we see this in my in my Facebook group a lot, where the people who do find love have found love in a package that was completely unlike what they had expected. So they, when they tossed their list, when they got rid of all of these requirements that a man has to be um, a white-collar worker and he has to be a college graduate, he has to make more money than I make, and all of these requirements, they found that the connection they had with men was much more likely um, because connection doesn't, you know, depend on your college degree or where you work, right? So so what do you have to say about that? Yeah, I mean, I agree with you, and I think like you, I believe that the, the, the list making, so to speak, is a problem. And I actually think the 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 increased popularity of online dating kind of exacerbates the problem because if you if you've ever been on on sites like uh okay cupid or match i mean there's a lot of screening and filtering that that goes into being on these sites and um there's lots of box checking you know whether you know age income like you said dog person cat person oceans versus lakes that kind of thing i mean mm-hmm. you you check off all these boxes describing your ideal mate but in reality, all you've really done is describe yourself. And you, you haven't really, you don't really just, you know, know, or you're not necessarily um, greening for the person who you are most likely to click with. And in kind of the, pre, in the pre-internet age, um, you know, when people were meeting in more kind of offline scenarios, like if you, you know, if you met a guy... I don't know at at a New Year's party or church or something like that, and you hit it off. You you, you know the the fact that he's a couple years younger or didn't finish college. If you hit it off and there was some chemistry, you wouldn't it wouldn't matter. But it's possible that if you're dating online, you never even would see the dating profile of guys like that who you actually would click with. Mm-hmm. I so agree with that, and I, I that's why when I when I coach a woman and I work with her on her online dating, I will actually share a screen with her, and we do video chatting, and I go on her profile, and I do the search with her so that all these people who she would never look at, she's now looking at because she has different criteria with which she's dating, and they have to do with character and not not how tall he is and how much money he makes, and um and and so that you know the thing that's also really interesting is that your college degree doesn't guarantee how intelligent you are your amount of money you make doesn't guarantee how responsible you are with money or how much money you actually do have um these are you know really things that 
push people into the wrong direction when it comes to finding a match. Yeah, no, it definitely is true of the, like how much money you make. I mean, I, you know, when I give, you know, when I'm on the road giving book-related or dating-related talks, I frequently mention that that given how much I paid my plumber last year, I guarantee he makes more than I do. And actually, I've seen <laughs> him driving around in an Audi, so I'm I am, I am certain he makes more than me. Um, and, I, and I think there is this notion out there that that contractors or plumbers, um, electricians, or even like, you know, firemen or policemen, people like that, that, that they, you know, they're poor. And, um, you know, a, like, a, like a, a 40-year-old policeman, you know, with overtime could definitely be making $100,000 a year or more. Plus, if he didn't go to college, he's not saddled with tens of thousands, tens of, thousands of dollars in college debt and and also you know maybe he can you know fix your sink in ways that I could not. That's a helpful kid. thing. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, it's a really really good point, and I think that um, you know I had a, had a client once who made a lot of money, and she had been dating a guy who was a school teacher, and she just assumed that she was making much more, so she always offered to pay. And she was a little resentful, and she had a real people-pleasing issue. I mean, we we worked really hard on this, and she never spoke up either. And so with our work together, she had broken up with this guy because she just kept saying, I'm I'm doing everything, I'm going out of my way for him, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. And um, she really wanted to try the relationship again with new, you know, kind of new guidelines and a new way of being with him. And she talked to him about money, and it turned out that he had like a million dollars in savings, and she was broke. She she had been such a people pleaser that she had given away so much of her money um, to help people who couldn't pay their mortgage. And, you know, so just having that conversation, she realized that he had put away his money, and he owned a house outright, and, he you know, he had he was much more fiscally solvent yeah. than she was. Yeah, no. There, there was a woman who was a, uh, who read my book, Dynamics, and um, and decided to experiment with what I call mixed collar dating. And she actually wrote about her experience in a column in the Washington Post. And you know, she eventually, you know, she she was, I think she worked for the Pentagon or something like that. And she uh, told me the story about going to some government office building and kind of flirting with the security guard at the at the parking garage and eventually he asked for her number and on a lark he she gave it to him and fast forward two years now they're married uh, but she <laughs> mentioned to me what, what, what she discovered is that this guy is like a real go-getter and he has a couple different businesses and he out earns her she thought initially that oh you know here's this blue collar guy um, who uh, you know, doesn't make any money, but in fact, he he makes more than she does. That's a great story. Um, I like that term, mixed collar dating. I think you know, and I've seen so many successful couples who are mixed collar. You know, where it's being open to the connection and not the outer stuff. And um, there's a there's a woman who used to live in my community who she has a PhD. She's this tall, beautiful woman, and I found out she was married to the guy who was painting my house. And I was like, "Wow, this is so interesting." She's she's like all about the education and and 
you know, being known in the community, and he's this house painter. Um, and he didn't own the business. He was working for somebody else. But they had a great marriage. And so it's, you know, we, we really need to be more open. So let, let's talk about fixing this because um, okay. we've had some, some solutions here about being yep. mixed-collar dating and throwing the college thing out the window and not having that be the most important thing. What else, what else do you recommend to, to try and fix this? Well, I, I mean, I have I have an idea for you know your uh, your listeners, uh, your clients, I assume are mostly over forty. So I'm going to throw this mm-hmm. out there. I realize this won't work for all of them, but I'm just going to share some some data that I that came across. I, I'm a big fan of OkCupid's um, kind of data dating data blog, and they 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 came out with a study a year or two ago looking at at age gaps in dating, and what they found is that a a 40-year-old woman um, is going to have um, better luck um, sending messages to a 25-year-old man than a 55-year-old man. And a 30-year-old man is more likely to respond to a message from a 50-year-old woman than from women from any other age group. And I, th- this interested me because I I have, you know, I'm, I just turned 50. I have a bunch of, you know, a lot of my friends are, my age or in the same age bracket. And I know uh, two different women, mid-late 40s, divorced, um, who um, were both dating men 15 years younger than them. Um, and, you know, when I read this OkCupid okay study, it, it, it got me interested because I do think there's, there's you know, there's something about that which um, which has – Potential. I think part of it is that, that it wouldn't really occur to a lot of older women that a 30-year-old man would be would be interested. Um, but I do think that that men are attracted to women who kind of you know know who they are, so to speak, and are kind of fully formed. Whereas a a woman in her mid late 20s, you know, might be kind of all over the place and not know who she is yet. And I, and I do think men find that attractive. So I guess, what, you know, if you're open to the idea, I think one idea would be to consider dating younger the same way older guys date younger. Mm. I like that. Okay. Women do get – yeah, go ahead. I just want to say to that point yeah. that a lot of women do get approached by much younger men, and, and they discount it thinking they're just after sex or something. So – so what you're saying, yeah, it could be, but it could also be that these men are really interested in in dating a more mature woman who knows who she is and knows what she wants and well, the, fully the, formed. The two women I'm friends with, who I'm thinking of, these were not like one week flings or something. These were, you know, year long relationships. So, uh, mm-hmm. I, just, but, but one other thought on this, and I think this kind of maybe refers back a little bit to the mix, mix, mixed collar. Um, relationship thing that we we just uh discussed i i, mm-hmm. I think there's something i think there's something to be said for um couples who that aren't exactly in the same place in life um you know i i kind of feel like one one reason the 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 mixed collar thing works is because there's nothing competitive about a plumber a plumber dating a lawyer you know, like the, it, the, they're two different worlds. Um, 
you know, they're not comparing each other. They're not comparing themselves to their partner. And, um, you know, I, I know it, this isn't the same kind of age gap, but I know a couple, um, she's probably 33 and he's probably 27, 28. And, um, you know, I interviewed them for a new book I'm working on. And that in his earlier relationships with people his age, he would feel very competitive um, with his girlfriends. And if if they had a big success career-wise, he had a hard time, um, you know, kind of being all in for her because it made him feel like he was falling behind in some way. But with Mm. with his current girlfriend, um, you know, she's, you know, five years older, you know, more established. There's nothing competitive about 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 their situations, and and I think that works in some ways. Mhm. Yeah, it's interesting that you say that because I married a uh, comedian, um, and I was an artist, and I always was attracted to creative people. And we were not competing in our creativity, which is one of the things that actually worked in our marriage, even though the marriage ended after 23 years. But our creative work together was important to me. And I said to my son the other day that I I really enjoy creating with a partner. And he said, I don't think that would work. It would just be too much competition. It would be like, um, so it's, it's interesting that he thought that. Yeah, no, I, I, I just think there's something about these age gaps that, I mean, I, I, th- I think the, the traditional belief about when, about older men dating younger women is that it's all about looks, but mm-hmm. I, I'm not sure that's really what it's about because I, I, I think I saw another OkCupid okay study that found that that um, that men don't really perceive women in their mid 30s to be any less attractive than women in their mid 20s. So I'm I'm not I'm not sure that it's entirely about appearance. I think some of it just has to do with this this competitive thing and guys don't want to like be comparing themselves. And I don't think I don't think women want it either. I mean, nobody wants to be kind of comparing themselves and feeling lesser about themselves because their partner is doing better. Mhm. And I kind of feel like these these age gaps mitigate that. Yeah, it's interesting. And I do think as um, a lot of people when they get older, especially if they've been alone for a long time, they tend to be super critical of a potential partner and he has to sort of pass through a whole bunch of hoops in order to qualify. And I think that if a man feels that, he's just going to say this is too much work and no thanks. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Yeah. So we have date younger, date mixed collar. Um, what about throwing out the uh, college requirement? Yeah, no, I, I'm always in favor, particularly if you're dating online. To, you know, I I, I like to call it unchecking the college box uh, because, you know, as we discussed, if your if your filter on Match or OkCupid. Um, is only selecting people who with a college degree. There are lots of people who who you might connect with, who you might click with, who aren't going to show up on your on your you know profile feed, so to speak. Um, so I'm definitely mm-hmm. in favor of that. 
Um, another idea, um, and, you know, this won't work for everyone. I mean, it depends where you live and what your social situation is like. But I'm, I, I'm not the world's biggest fan of online dating, um, just because I, I feel like it's an inefficient use of time. I think the average Tinder user spends like 90 minutes a day on on Tinder, and like my my thumb hurts just thinking about this. <laughs> um, That's a lot of minutes. It's a it really is. I mean, the people spend more time on Tinder than they do on Instagram, um, and I, it, it, it's you know again this this won't apply to everyone, but I feel like there are a lot of people who actually you know, singles who know people who they would be compatible with, um, but just haven't worked up the gumption to ask them out, um, and it's it's. You know, there's there's kind of because online dating and you know there's this separation involved, and you're never really face to face with them. Like the the rejection that you experience in online dating isn't. I don't think it's really real. It's like a game. So it's more of a game because you're you're not being rejected by people you actually know. Nobody around you know that this person didn't respond to your message. Um, but you know, if you're if you're flirting with or asking somebody out in the real world that, that you are risking something but at the same time that you're risking some something with somebody you already know and you have some sense of their values and whether your senses of humor's mesh um and i kind of feel like there are lots of lots of singles out there particularly older singles who already know people who they they might be good with but they're just kind of afraid to act on it hmm so have the courage to ask somebody out. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I know that women aren't really socialized to do that, but I, I feel like the world is changing. Yeah, I, the world is definitely changing. I, I, My whole thing when I coach a woman is to have them reach out first online to make first moves in terms of showing interest. I think it's, for me, it's about green lighting. It's about saying you're safe to come over here and ask me out. <laughs> and um, because a lot of people don't give off the vibe that, number one, they're open. Number two, that they're open romantically, that it's just, you know, colleague to colleague kind of conversation. So you have to kind of switch that up too. Right. No, I, I, I'm I'm with you, but I kind of feel like o- online, you know, like every first date online is a blind date, right? I mean, mm-hmm. yes, you maybe exchange some messages, but you really have no sense of whether you don't have a good sense of whether you're compatible with the person. You know that that person by the time you you meet the person that you know on a first date you may imme- you may immediately discover that he or she wasn't really being truthful about some things yep. um, and the, the the amount of time invested in getting to that first date seems really high um given that you're like starting at square one um whereas if you take a chance and yes if it's somebody you work with you know it's going to be awkward if if you're if you're guessing wrong um but if this is somebody you work with for two years and you've shared lunches with and made jokes with um, and already know their values, um, it, to me that seems to be a much better use of your time than 
you know, swiping on OkCupid or Tinder a match for 90 minutes a day trying to, you know, get to a first date. I hear you. Um, I think a lot of people don't know people in real life, like especially women who are not working anymore. But, yeah. Um, But there are people. I mean, we have these questions in my group all the time that, you know, I have a crush on a guy at work. What should I do? Should Should I say anything? And, yeah, so you're saying just go ahead and let the person know that you're interested. Why not? And, you know, and now, you know? And nowadays it's so much easier for a woman to do that than a guy, particularly at work, because guys are gun-shy about that kind of thing now. Um, a, a woman who goes up to a guy at work and says, hey, we should uh, go out for dinner or get a drink, like th- there's, th- there's less risk for her that, that he's going to be offended. You're saying like with the whole Me Too consent thing that it's yeah. I, I, I think guys are increasingly they're overreacting to Me Too, um, mm-hmm. and I'm not saying they should be overreacting, but they are. Um, and I just think a lot of guys are um, anxious about doing anything aggressive because they're just worried about like the, the, the rules have changed, and they just they're they're kind of sitting back and waiting to figure out what's okay and what's not okay. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and part of it is that that women. I mean, if you've—I'm uh, guessing you've read at least one or two of like the traditional dating books, like the rules and and books like yeah. that. Is that, is that <laughs> have you have you read you you've read like this genre before, right? Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, basically, all these books preach the same thing, which is some version of playing hard to get. Mm-hmm. And the 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 message that that. That these books, and to some extent, I think that the culture. I think this is kind of the the advice that mothers gave their daughters for many years. That the the underlying advice or the message that that they want women to send to men basically boils down to not interested means keep trying, and they're they're trying to sort of like that they value persistence in men, and, and I, I I get it. I, I get why that might be appealing, but I think you can also appreciate why some guys don't want to be persistent anymore. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I talk about this all the time. I, I personally hate the, the rules. Um, I, I feel like they have messed up a lot of people when it comes to dating. It's it's manipulative. It's it's well, about right, hooking but, somebody. Yeah. But, but, but at the same time, you know, the – the rules is basically play hard to get on steroids, and all mm-hmm. they're doing is take, is taking an idea that's really pretty commonplace and turning it into a you know an even crazier mind game. But but mm-hmm. I, I don't think I don't I don't think the kind of underlying philosophy is that unique. I mean, this is the kind of thing that mothers have been telling daughters forever that oh, don't come right. on too strong, um, you know, don't let them know that you that you like him, you know. That kind of stuff. I mean, this mm-hmm. messaging is familiar, and I, I think we're kind of we're in an era in which guys actually men like women who like them, and I feel like like women don't believe <laughs> that to be true. You know, men like women who like them. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. <laughs> um, yeah, if you play too hard to get. Again, it's going to be too hard, and it's not going to work. And especially in this fast-paced world we live in, people don't give second chances and third chances. It's it's that immediate first impression, especially in the online dating world. And 
Yeah, and I and I think, you know, what I tell women is at this age, men are often tired of making all the first moves. Like they are they don't, they don't want to be rejected all the time. They don't want to be the one always asking out on first dates and initiating every single part of the dating process. And so it times have changed and I think people have to really adapt to that. I'm 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 with you. Yeah. Um, any last tips before we, um, we we let people know how to find your book and all the good stuff? I mean, if you th- th- this is not this is one of these things. This, bits of advice is certainly not for everyone. But um, one of the things I do discuss in Datanomics is that if you are, you know, if you were thinking about about relocating anyway for work or something like that, but there certainly are parts of the country that are more female-friendly in terms of sex ratios, you know, looking at ratios of college-grad women to college-grad men. Um, you know, the, the, in general, as you head from the East Coast to the West Coast, that, that, that kind of that imbalance, the, the, the sex ratio imbalance between college-grad women and college-grad men tends to get milder as you head West. So, I mean, the, like, the... The extreme outlier is is San Jose, California, which is essentially Silicon Valley, where you have all these, you know, lonely single male engineers and all these, um, <laughs> all these, you know, very, very married. You know, the, the, the marriage rate in Silicon Valley for college grad women is off the charts high, and the divorce rate is through the floor low, and that's because of the supply and demand factor in which you know the the women have all the leverage um but mm. it's not just silicon valley i mean cities like denver seattle um you know are also more female friendly in terms of the dating markets mm. yeah I, I once had a guy on the show who moved to a new community and ended up having much better luck for himself too so it works both ways, and I think especially if you have the ability to move, and I've I've certainly had some clients who picked up and moved and had their whole life changed, and yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah no, I, I'm, I'm I'm with you, yeah, but, yeah, that's that's the message. I'm certainly not telling a 40-year-old woman who has a whole life and career and set of friends and maybe extended family in New York that they, they must pick up and move to Denver. I mean, like I I realize that's not going to happen, but but if you're mm-hmm. If you are in kind of a place in your life where a relocation was something you were contemplating anyway, yeah, maybe this is a possibility. Mm. And, I, and I'd like to add to that that long-distance dating can work too. And if, you, if you're if you open to relocating at some point, then dating long-distance can work for you. I think if you're both set on where you live and nobody's willing to move, it doesn't work so well. But that's happened for a lot of people where they met somebody who lives across the world and it worked out. You know, takes take some skills to navigate it, but it definitely can work. I, I think particularly um, for older for older couples, yeah, like it. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially empty nesters who have much more flexibility. Yeah, I mean, it's like explore the outer edges, which you have not explored yet. I am a big proponent of that. Um, so these are great tips, John. Thank you, and and it's a really okay. interesting conversation. And what uh, where can people find you and your book? You can find me on most 
social media. I'm uh, John Berger One on Twitter, J O N B I R G E R, the number one on Twitter. My website is datanomics.com with no hyphen. You can find my book, Datanomics, on most online booksellers uh, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Walmart. Target, you can, you know, the, the book is pretty widely available online. Hopefully, your local bookstore has it too, but I, I can't guarantee it. Come on, guarantee it. I can't guarantee it, but I can guarantee if you go to Walmart.com or or uh, Amazon.com that you can buy it there. Cool. Well, I hope people go out and buy the book. It sounds really, really interesting, and I think just just you know hearing you talk and and giving us some new insights was really helpful. So thank you so much. Well, thanks for having me on, Sandy. My pleasure. And thanks, everybody, for listening today. And if you love our show, please go ahead and rate and review it on iTunes. And I hope that you go on your last first date very soon. Have a great one. (laughs) 